I don't know if you know this, but we are closer to the end than ever before. <laughs> the end times, as it is known, is approaching every day, coming closer to us. And as we are faced with this reality, we always have to ask ourselves the question, how do we prepare? And most importantly, what does the Bible say that preparation looks like? The world will tell you one thing. And in fact, the world is preparing. They're they're building bunkers. They're buying up missile silos. They're they're preparing in their own ways for the world to go down. But how do we prepare as believers? What is how did Yeshua, how did Jesus tell us? How did he let us in on the deal on what this will look like and how we will prepare? Because there is an endurance that he calls us to that will allow us to be prepared and not just be prepared, but endure to the end. And so I'm excited today because I am bringing on a brother with you all here. Um, Pastor Matthew Vander Alice from Founded and True Fellowship. Uh, Pastor, you want to say hi to everyone? Hey, everybody. It's an honor to be with you tonight. And this is uh, one, one topic that I'm definitely passionate about. So thank you so much for having me on. I mean, I am so honored to have Matt on tonight because I am a long, I'm a secret fan. I've been watching his teachings for a while. And I love his passion. I love his discernment over the word of God. And especially in terms of this topic, I think that he has so much that he can bring to the table for us tonight uh, as we dig in here. Um, So um, I would like to just get started here um, talking with uh, how how we how we think about this end time reality that approaches us. The Bible contains various apocalyptical writings, right? These writings about the end, like the book of Revelation. But what do they call us to? And what is the objective of these writings? Because this is really the preparation of the saints that we need to be focused on. Because like I said earlier, brothers and sisters, there is there is a lot that the world will tell you on how to prepare. But the Bible has its own thing. And when we think about man, we have a danger also of being very concerned with the future. And that's good. And that we need to be ready. We need to be aware. But sometimes at the cost of the present mission. And one thing that you'll notice as we go along here is that the Bible talks not just about what the future holds, but how we presently respond to that future coming reality, because how you respond now is very related to how you will endure in the future. Right. So um, I will, so as we go into this, I want to ask you the question, are you driven for the present? Are you driven for the mission now or are you driven for just the future? Because I think that there's something more that God is encompassing to us. He's telling us to focus on the now. And when I ask you about the end times, let me ask you this as well. What do you imagine? Like, like what is it? What is the picture in your mind? Uh, for me, one of the first things that I could think about is how uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, we were huddling around the television and there was this new show that was on TV called Left Behind. And for the first time in my life, I got a, a very 
I don't know, I wouldn't, know, wouldn't necessarily call it a biblical view, but a, a certain view on, on what the end is going to look like. And it looked so epic. And, and, and we, we think things like, wow, you know, that's what it's going to be like. And, and I'm so excited about that. But, uh, but Matthew, I don't know, you could tell me, brother, I, I feel like sometimes we, we have romanticized the end. We have, romantic, we have idealized it to become something in our minds. And the question, I guess, is, is, is what we have romanticized it what, how, how, and how we've seen it in that way, the way that we should be perceiving it and how we would be preparing for that? I mean, what do you think about that, bro? Oh, for sure. Um, and I totally empathize with the, uh, uh, the position of constantly looking out for the next big figure to come out or the latest technology, because that's an indicator of the end times and it's present here and getting really excited uh, about that. Um, and throughout history, although we see very early in uh, with the church fathers, uh, this kind of search for figuring out what this was, you know, many of them, uh, not all of them, but many of them believe that there was going to be a central antichrist figure that was going to pop up. And then so, you know, they got 666. So so there's always been a fascination with uh, kind of preparing or figuring out the mystery. Uh, but it really doesn't seem historically to have uh, to have become so popular uh, as it is today uh, until about the mid 1800s. You know, we have in the early 1800s this idea of the rapture coming, um, and then you know later on it kind of evolved into this uh, worrisome idea that there was going to be this absolute horrible uh, horrible tribulation coming that's going to afflict the world and we need to be ready for that, but we're gonna be zapped out, right? We're familiar with, with that timeline. Um, but that got specifically evangelicals in the West. And uh, in America, we really grabbed hold onto it more so than in Europe. Um, but uh, just evangelicals, you know, Catholics really weren't impressed by this idea of getting excited about a possible end times theory coming in the tribulation and the Antichrist, Methodist, Presbyterians, mainly evangelicals. Um, but it wasn't, it was really within the past 150 years that this looking at the world and the gospel through the lens of preparing for the end times instead of looking through the lens of the cross and approaching the end times being witnesses of the hope in Christ. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, a, I used to be this, this guy that was really obsessed with looking for everything and every new figure that came up, uh, popular politician, specifically oh, too, politicians bro. I didn't like. They're always yeah. Antichrist, right? Um, yeah. Prepper, that was totally me, to a position of really searching through Revelation of all books and coming to a place where uh, where I shouldn't be so easily moved and my emotions shouldn't be so easily moved and I shouldn't be so distracted away from the mission that Christ actually calls us to. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a passionate topic, as you can tell. So, Oh, yeah, man. And I think that, you know, what you said is cool. And I want to make sure everyone understands as we head into this that neither of us are against the idea of preparation, physical preparations, or, or some way call it prepping, or like we're not against any of that. But I do think that in some instances there has been a little bit of a shift of balance, maybe in, in some people at least, to, to the extreme forsaking the or or with less focus on the importance of that spiritual preparation and i think also sometimes we it's like when we talk about the bible talks about birth pains 
right? And, and as we talk about birth pains coming, we have become very focused on what are the birth pains and preparing for the birth pains, and, and that's all good. But if you think about any pregnancy, right, you have the mother being very excited, not necessarily about the birth pains, and Rod, and she knows the birth pains are a part of the deal, but she is excited and looking forward to the delivery, the moment that she has her baby in her arms. Then she would say, this has all been worth it. And so in the same way, I think, however, sometimes we have been more focused on the birth pains were always, oh, the tribulation, the tribulation. And some of us have even romanticized it to the point of we look forward to that. Come on, tribulation. I'm going to become all I'm supposed to be in Christ the day the tribulation hits. And I'm going to have all the faith in the world. And I'm going to do all the miracles like Moses did. And I'm so excited for that greater exodus um, and all of that. But but yet, is has that taken some form of a precedent over the fact that what we're actually looking forward to, what our hope actually is, is the delivery of ultimately Yeshua, King Jesus, coming, Him ruling, and the setup of that new kingdom. That is really what all of the apocalyptic writings in the Bible are pointing towards when they talk about these things. Uh, brother, what do you think about that? Has our focus sometimes been off? Oh, for sure. So, you know, we have many examples in the scriptures where uh, uh, sometimes it's with God's wrath or it's prophetic, uh, the, the the undoing of creation because of God's wrath, or uh, more specifically, when the sins of both Israel or the nations, um, they, they, they grab hold of the promises of evil of the world, and God pretty much allows them to drink of the cup that they want to drink of. Um, but many times it's referred to as the birth pangs. Uh, this time of tribulation, either on the nations or on Israel. Um, and that's exactly correct. You know, sometimes we see in the New Testament the idea of birth pangs. Um, and uh, and we think, oh, that's that's like in the future, like, you know, sometime in the future. And it's no, it's been throughout every generation, uh, throughout the story and the narrative of the Bible, the Old Testament up through uh, the New Testament. Matthew 24, you know, the first half of Matthew 24 and Mark 13 are speaking of uh, the coming destruction of Jerusalem. And Yeshua refers to that as the birth pangs. And just as you said, he calls his the believers, the disciples, um, those who are going to be there to endure to the end. Uh, don't lose focus on the mission. Endure. Stand firm. Stay focused. Uh, don't react. Respond with being a faithful witness, just as you've been preparing this whole time. Um, and so, yeah, you know, they have this whole idea of the birth pangs coming. And of course, the idea is there's going to be a birth of something magnificent, of something new. Life is going to come forth of this. Uh, and that is that is where our hope is based. We know that King Yeshua is reigning now. His kingdom exists now as well as not yet. Uh, and so it's our job, as Revelation says, to be witnesses of that fact. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that you know, what you just said is profound in terms of how how we are going to be. What is our disposition when the world crashes around us? We are the world is going to their responses. You know, they go crazy. They feed the fear. They amp each other up in terms of the fear. But yet we have to have a response that is so radically different, just like when the troubles of the world in this present time comes upon us, 
we're supposed to look so different that the world looks at us and they get inspired with hope themselves because of the hope that we have in Christ. And then they look to where does your hope come from? And then they're drawn to that same hope in Christ. Um, you know, ultimately, when we think about the end times, I think that sometimes we also have uh, romanticized it in terms of thinking of it in, um, in a way that I think what, what is important is we need to have a perspective on it that is accurate in how Yeshua described it to become. You know, he, he sa- it's not going to be like anything the world has ever seen before, right? And I think that a lot of people, because they haven't exper- may not have experienced anything even close to that, you know, we have in history, even recent history, had horrible things happen in the world. But yet, what in, in our more recent, like modern times of the last 10 years, 20 years, the world has mostly been at peace. And, and I just think that it's very important for us to be very reminded of how Yeshua also described it to be. Because a lot of people I found is they're very eager to enter this end times period of the, let me say, not just end times period, but the tribulation itself. Um, but my heart breaks for that a little bit because I'll be honest, you know, Matt, you can tell me what you think, but you know, part of, I'm split in two. I want Yeshua to come back. I, I can't wait for that. But on the other hand, I know that there's so much still to do and there, my heart breaks for all the people who still needs to be reached with the gospel. And sometimes I think that we're so eager for him to come back. I, I just want us to step back and be like, okay, but, that's good, but do I have a hunger, a burning desire in my heart to have to see the lost come to Christ? Or are we more focused on the mark of the beast and who the Antichrist is, and then we lose focus from the mark of God that is keeping His commandments and having it on our hand and forehead, uh, and then the great commission that He has left us with? Because I think that we have a Yeshua said, look, I am, there is a coming a day where I'm going to come back. But he told them, but while you're here, I'm sending my Holy Spirit to equip you so that you can become a light to the nations. And that is what our focus is, I think, supposed to be being aware of the world. But is our focus where it needs to be? Pastor, what do you think about that? For sure. So. I think you nailed it. We're so excited. Some of us are really excited for Yeshua to return. And so we're eager to find evidence that we are the last generation. Um, And we see um, even in the New Testament, we see verses that could be read as even the apostles were anticipating uh, themselves, expecting the end times to start. I have a different opinion about that. Um, But, you know, regardless, throughout history, there has been always a group that has anticipated they're the last generation. Uh, but I think, it, it, and that's that's healthy to have this type of expectation of Yeshua coming. But like you said, sometimes we form it into uh, an unhealthy scenario or an unhealthy focus in our head. Mm. Um, and sometimes, and and I'm speaking on my experience, uh, so don't, don't shoot me on, on, on that. This is my experience. In the past, I have seen conflict or I've had opinions about the world, whether it be in politics or mainly politics or uh, opinions about stuff going on. 
And I had a tendency to spray paint Jesus on it to make it a divine hill to die on when the reality was it was just a secular hill of the world. And so I think that we sometimes make that mistake as well. We see something that has to do with politics and it's too easy to claim that that guy's the Antichrist or those people are the followers of the beast and I'm not. Um, and then it reinforces uh, our allegiance to a particular party or a particular side or a particular opinion that in the grand scope of the calling of believers and the witnesses and ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven was never supposed to be in the begin with. Uh, and so I think there's a there's quite a variety. It's almost like a like a spectrum of um, of having this attitude of expecting the end to come. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes there's a healthy aspect to it, but there's also an aspect that's distracting to the actual calling of what we're meant to be prepared to do. And, uh, and Revelation, I think that's the message of Revelation. Uh, is Paul, I mean, Paul, Paul was not the author of Revelation. When John is, is writing this letter, it was a letter to seven real churches, uh, in Asia Minor. And, uh, it's supposed to be a letter of hope. It's not supposed to be this crystal ball that we look into and try to figure something out. It was a letter of hope that they understood that no matter what comes their way, they are to be witnesses. And that Greek word witnesses is martyr. Um, granted, in the first century, martyr didn't mean just someone who died, but it could include that. But we, they were, John was encouraging believers to say, hey, all of this is going to happen. And as long as you remember the promises and the hope of your God, then, then, then that is your calling. Do not slip. Do not be conformed to the world. Do not act like the world. Um, do not show fear and chaos like the world. Stand firm and uh, even unto death. And that is how we change the world. That is how we show uh, what the hope is that we stand for. Oh, that's a good man. And I think that we also, on, on the way, miss you know, when you look at the pattern of like Moses, right, when he went and he took Israel um, out of Egypt and he took them through the Red Sea and into the wilderness, you know, there is this pattern of, you know, well, you know, is it going to look that way, not that way? You know, everyone has their opinion. However, one thing is for sure is they went through a hard time. They went through a wilderness. And and, and one thing is also for sure for us is that things will get more difficult. The world will enter a greater wilderness in the future. And how God prepared Moses for that wilderness was not just to tell him what was going to happen, but was for him. He told him that, but he also said, look, there is something I want you to do. And that is to focus on my power, focus on the power of my spirit who will be doing everything because ultimately, um, you know, us doing our own things of pre physical preparations, which is good and nothing wrong with that is one thing. However, what we must realize, I think, is that the world is preparing and that is not going to be the thing that sets us apart. The thing that must set us apart is that we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, uh, Moses's and Israel's um, preparations of, you know, th getting things to take into the wilderness out of Egypt was not the thing that saved them. It was the manna from heaven. It was the splitting of the sea itself. It was the wonders that were brought against uh, Pharaoh in Egypt. These things, these acts of God 
were the things that ultimately inspired hope, but also was what carried them through it all. And you know what's interesting is every year we celebrate a feast called Passover, and we the festival of unleavened bread along with that, and we take the leaven out of our homes, and and it all comes back from how Israel they were in the um, as they came out of Egypt, they didn't have time for their cakes to leaven. They didn't have time to have their preparations. They even have time for their bread to fully become bread. So they were inadequately prepared physically. And we even celebrate how inadequately they were prepared. Yet God provided the manna. Yet God looked after them throughout it all. And in the same way, I want to submit to you guys that that. Yes, do what you can to physically prepare, but do realize that all of our physical preparations will inevitably fail us because the world's building bunkers. We're not even building bunkers, but we have the Holy Spirit. And the question, I guess, is, is what does that preparation look like? Because um, and how do we prepare for that? How do we because Moses was drawn to the burning bush He was drawn to his knees into the presence of God. And there in his prayer time and speaking with the Lord, the Lord gave him his spirit, gave him the the spiritual gift of miracles he had there. And that was whatever he needed, at least was given to him. And so it's one thing to prepare, but that's the preparation that the scriptures call us to above all. Because if you and, and the beauty of it all is this is if you follow through with the great commission that God has given us today to be a light to the world. Now that in of itself is your preparation for when the world gets darker and darker because you're the light that shines brighter and brighter. And so, yeah, uh, brother, what do you think about that preparation and what does that look like for us? For sure. Um, I'm, I'm under the opinion and it's, it's, it's not a popular opinion in the South specifically, uh, but I'm under the opinion that if we are called to be the end times witnesses or witnesses at any point, no matter what our foes or enemies look like, um, we're there to look like Christ to them. And uh, Paul talks about this being good soldiers. He talks about us being ambassadors or emissaries of the king. We are lookalikes, hands and feet, right? And uh, sometimes that looks like standing before Pilate and uh, and boldly proclaiming that, listen, my kingdom, the kingdom that I'm a part of, isn't an earthly kingdom. Philippians 3, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's where our citizenship lies and that's where our allegiance lies. And, uh, you know, we did a message a couple of weeks ago when we explored uh, Revelation 11, which, you know, everyone loves it because, uh, you know, it's about the two witnesses, right? And uh, again, opinions on Revelation, such an amazing, deep conversation. Everybody has a different opinion. Uh, but the way that, what I see is a depiction of believers as these two witnesses. Um, in the first few chapters of Revelation, we have seven churches and um, John is criticizing five of them for mixing uh, their loyalty to heaven and their loyalty to earth. But two of them he applauds for having uh, a sole focus as pure witnesses, and that's Smyrna and uh, Philadelphia. So they're the two lampstands, right? Uh, but what do the witnesses do? What do they look like? Well, they they witness for three and a half years, 
or sorry, three and a half days, they uh, they they go to the city that is allegedly Jerusalem, uh, but it's also called the Great City, which is synonymous with Babylon. Um, they perform some miracles, then they're killed, they're left in the street, and about three days later, they're resurrected, and then a, a, an earthquake happens, and then they hop in a cloud and ascend to heaven. Just like Daniel 7 says, the sun happens to the Son of Man, and depicting Yeshua's uh, ascension to heaven. The, the two witnesses mimic the ministry, death, and resurrection of Yeshua. Um, it says that they had power to uh, call down fire and turn water into blood. It's, it's speaking about Moses and Elijah. Uh, both of them have these attributes. It's calling for what, what it looks like when you have the Spirit of God. I don't think it's literal. Um, I know, I'll get stoned for that. But the, the most compelling thing of this chapter that I love um, is, A, it says that they, they consume their enemies with the fire that comes out of their mouth. And that's a quote from Jeremiah 5. When uh, Paul, oh, sorry, when God calls Jeremiah um, to go and, and speak, right? And he says in uh, verse 14, says, this is what the Lord God of armies says, because you have spoken this word, I'm going to make my words become fire in your mouth. These people are wood and the fire will consume them. So the, these witnesses that mimic Yeshua on earth are literally flamethrowing their enemies and burning them alive. Um, that's not what Yeshua taught. We are consuming our enemies. Our enemies are being transformed because of the fire, the spirit, the words of the Lord that come from our mouths. And what's so cool about Revelation 11 uh, is at the end of it, after this earthquake happens, it is the only place in Revelation where the nations repent. Right. And so wow. leading up to this point, we have the seals being broken and we have all of these plagues and wrath being poured out. And it says the nations didn't repent. We have the bowls being poured out. All these bad things happen, wrath, and the nations didn't repent. And it was only when these witnesses who mimicked the ministry of Yeshua, willing to stand and die, and by the power of their words and the power of their resurrection and the power of their witness, that is what turned the nations, their enemies, the people trying to kill them, that is what turned their hearts to God. Wow. And that is how we destroy our enemies, no matter what the sacrifice or cost. And so, yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, preparing is great, but we need to, I don't believe we need to prepare to run off in the wilderness, hide in a hole. Um, I think we need to prepare, uh, as much as possible to be able to sustain our witness and whatever that looks like. And, uh, and that's not a popular message at all, but that's, that's what I see in this book of hope that John is writing to these, to these seven churches and to us as well. I was speaking to, or this just reminds me of a conversation I had with someone kind of recently, you know, um, the person said that physical preparations, in other words, and she, specifically, she was talking about canned food and things of that nature, are so important for us that if we do not have that and the world starts get, heading into tribulation, we will most certainly give into the mark of the beast out of our own hunger. And, you know, what it just made me think of is how, see, that perspective is for me so dangerous because it speaks to where your dependency really is. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is that um, if you can go hungry, you can be murdered, you can be pushed to the edge. And that's what a lot of the things that will happen, unfortunately, many people, including believers, will die. 
But yet we are still supposed to be able to stand up and say no to these empires that will try and lure us into the mark of the beast and whatever that ultimately will become. And mm. and so I think that as long as our our physical preparations doesn't become our crutch for our lack of faith, you know, that's I think the thing that we really need to watch out for. You know, I was I'm just thinking of, you know, there are people who are listening to the who's gonna listen to this uh broadcast who are in Africa. I know some of them personally. Some of my African brothers, where I, I come from South Africa myself, and and many people don't understand um, poverty like poverty in Africa is like. And for 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 an American, and just to be frank, guys, um, for an American to say, uh, guys, we need to make sure we've got our f- canned food stocked, otherwise we're not going to make the tribulation. That is so weird to hear from someone like for example in africa who can't even afford this week's food right and so where is our hope because ultimately what we're saying is where our hope is in our ability to purchase our hope is in our ability but but is it or is it in god's ability where our hope ultimately lies and i think that's so important uh, brother so yeah thank you for bringing that up um, it says in Revelation 9 verse 6, In those days people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. It is going to be so hard, worse than anything the world has ever seen. And pe- that people will, will hope to die. I mean, I can't imagine what that's going to look like, but part of me doesn't really want to find out either, right? As much as I'd like to see him arrive, and as long, much as I would like to see Uh, be the generation, right? Have the honor of seeing him arrive on the clouds. For sure. We don't we don't really have a concept, I would say, at least in in my generation. Um, I'm just an old millennial. Um, But uh, we don't have a concept of what it looks like. With your experiences in South Africa, uh, when, if someone says like, yeah, America is, has constant conflict and violence and it's widespread, does that, is that what it's like in South Africa as well? Is it worse? Is it better? Do you feel a little bit safer here walking down the street? Can you tell me about, as I don't know, I don't know what, what life is like in that's South Africa. That's a good Africa. question, brother. Um, you know, and that's, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Um, one of the things that was shocking to me coming to America was the utopia I entered because the rest and you know, I'm not even exaggerating when I'm saying most of the rest of the world because most of the world is not Western. Most of the world is in poverty and struggling. Uh, It is a different world. And when people say this is this is a mark of the end and they're they're pointing to something that happened in America, for example, I'll be honest with you coming from where I came from the suffering I've seen. It's just like, I'm sorry, but but the world right now are experiencing things 10 times worse than they have been experiencing them for 10 years already, way more than 10 years already. And now what, something happens that's not, that's not even that bad. It's bad, but it's not compare, in comparison, not that bad. And then we scream, oh, it's the end, it's the end. It, it, just, it, just, it just shows of, uh, you know, I, I don't blame people, of course, because, right, we I understand. But it, I just want to say that, look, guys, when we are looking at like how the world reacted to the pandemic, let me say the Western world reacted to the pandemic, 
which was a horrific is a horrific thing. And there's been horrific things that come about because of that. But the way that we've reacted to that has shown how, just for lack of a better term, I think how soft we have become. And it, and it's a, it concerns me a little bit in relation to what I know is going to come because we ain't seen nothing yet, I think, right? And what what's scarier is, and this is for me too, I, I hope I have the faith to stand as a witness when whatever's coming, coming, or whenever it comes, uh, but yeah, what does that say about our endurance level or our level of endurance, uh, to stand as witnesses and not join in the chaos of the world or the, the satanic panic, if you will, it was a term back in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're so worried about so many things, uh, and you brought up the mark of the beast. You know, we look for everything that we don't like in the world to be attributed to the mark of the beast again, because if we can spray paint Jesus on a hill then we feel justified to die on it um, and give our attention to it. And um, yeah, I mean, Revelation 13 tells us what the mark of the beast is. It's the name of the beast, 666, right? And and that's what the early, that's what we see with the early church fathers. We were talking about the earlier and we were, had a few emails uh, just kind of, you know, speaking about uh, different church fathers and such and, and how they were trying to figure out not what the mark of the beast was. They understood it was already the name of the beast, 666. So they were trying to figure out Gamatria and turn the letters and, 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 who is the name or what is the name and others or said, no, you can give the name to anybody. It's, it's a unified body of believers, but no one in the, none of the church fathers, the earliest believers, if you will, the centuries after Yeshua were thinking that it was going to be, I hate to say computer chip. I know they wouldn't have thought that, but an, an actual object, they understood that it was a sign of allegiance to the beast. Um, and that's the thing. So, you know, we always stop at the end of revelation 13, that this calls for wisdom, you know, Calculate the number of the beast, the number of humanity or person. It's 666. And we think that like, okay, that's the end of John's thought process. Like, okay, bam, there we go. And then we go to the next chapter. Um, and and here's something that I didn't know for the longest time. And maybe you didn't. John wasn't writing like the verses next to each of the sentences. You know, when he got to the <laughs> yeah. end of Revelation 13, like I didn't know this for the longest time. He didn't stop and say chapter 14 of verse 1. It was a continued thought. And if you continue reading after he says, beware of the mark of the beast, this is what it's going to be. We go into the chapter of the 144,000, uh, which is 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, representing uh, the, the embodiment of the people of God, Israel. Um, and, it, and, it, and he starts talking about their mark, their seal on their forehead. And it's a sign of allegiance to God. And what does it say about these people? These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. That's, that's them. They were redeemed from humanity as the first fruits for God, right? And the lamb. That's, that people disagree. This is talking about believers. Um, and if anything, it's an indicator that, yeah, if you run out of food, this, if you run out of food, according to the context of Revelation, this is my hill, right? Uh, that opens you up for the opportunity to bear the mark of God and show your allegiance as witnesses, not to fall into the trap of taking the mark of the beast. It, the theme through Revelation is the encouragement that through tribulation, that is the door opening up for you to show the world the hope and the faith and the endurance of what it looks like to have the peace of God in your life. Um, and I think that's by far the most convicting thing that John, that's the context that John writes, um, is preparing ourselves is not preparing to kill everybody that comes to, to get us, our enemies. Preparing ourselves is having the faith and the hope to stand 
and be willing to join the others under the altar. Um, and so that's, that's how we call the world to repentance by mimicking Yeshua and everything that he did. Uh, and so, yeah, sorry, that's a soapbox. Um, <laughs> no. uh, it's something I'm passionate about for sure, but I think you're absolutely right. In America, we really have no clue of what's going on in the rest of the world. And uh, it really shows when, um, when events happen that, uh, that we, we are uncomfortable with, for sure. Mm. Amen, brother. And, you know, one thing I think that this also touches on is I'm just thinking of, you know, growing up myself, I grew up a believer. I grew up uh, around a lot of the things we are talking about now. Like I said, grew up um, back, you know, way back watching uh, Left Behind and my fam with my family, and you know, this is what it's going to be. And, and the and and the the teachings, of course, coming after that, surrounding the end of the world and, and these types of things. Which um, I remember what it did to me as a teenager, though. You know, as I was growing up, and, and I think this is this is what I get that is, is is the impact this has on our children is very profound. Sometimes we don't realize, and we have to be careful because I remember I started thinking, well, you know, the world is ending soon. <laughs> anyway, so I'm I now started losing hope for the future. You know, um, well, what am I going to study next year? You know, it does it probably doesn't really matter because you know I only have a few years left by the, how things are going. And I'm just saying, like, when we are on this mindset of, um, look, it's it's the end, it's the end, you know, it's the tribulation, tribulation, and without, and, and it's actually a more of a fear-based message of how the world's going to end than a hope-based message of the world that is to come. We're more focused on the temporary matters ultimately than eternity, but also then we say we're very so focused on eternity that the temporary doesn't matter anymore. But the fact is we live in this world right now and God has called us to have hope through the book of Revelation and other writings like that. And uh, I don't know, I don't know, was it just me? Uh, maybe it was isolated to me, but uh, have you felt totally, ever felt yeah. that way? I was totally raised that way and not, not by my parents, but just again, um, more evangelical leaning, uh, fundamentalist leaning uh, denominations and churches. That was the idea is, okay, you know, like do what you need to do to survive right now, go get your job and everything. But, uh, you know, the real thing is to be prepared just to be raptured. And that's going to happen anytime, like soon, soon. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is we're so confident of that sometimes, but the fact of the matter is, is it might not. You know, it's been 2000 years and people have thought that in every generation. And that's not a that's not a reason to disregard that uh, that anticipation to prepare for it. Uh, but it's also not an excuse to not continue doing what God has called us to do. And that is to bear his light. And in my opinion, I think the calling and that's the gospel according to Mark one is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is here. We are representatives of a counter upside down world an upside down kingdom that is in contrast and opposition to the kingdoms of this world. And it looks like a king that would not fight like a lion, he would fight like a lamb. And that's what it looks like. You know, the throne room scene in Revelation 5, what we're called to mimic as his followers, you know, what's John here? He hears the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. And what's he do? He turns around and here is this lamb standing with his throat slit in victory over the powers of the world. That is how he obtained his victory. It's a, it's a shadow of Daniel 7. That is how the beast is destroyed 
by the Son of Man allowing the beast to pour out his power and it not being adequate because of the power of God. Um, and so, you know, we're called to, to sum it up, we have uh, Matthew 25. Like, what are we called to do? You know, he leaves us, he leaves us a little bit of money. He leaves us a little bit of something that represents his reign or his household. And are we going to bury it in the sand and neglect it because we have other interests? Or are we going to try to multiply it? Are we going to try to make an investment out of it and show that we're actually good for something while we're maintaining his household? Uh, and he clarifies in Matthew 25, he's, you know, listen, you went and you actually did something. You gave drink to those who were thirsty, gave clothing, gave food, mm. those who were sick, you mm. tended to. Um, nowhere in there is he saying, yep, and you had those cans and you had those five gallon barrel bins of grain. That was me. And you didn't have an uh, electric grain mill. You had a, a, a manual one because, you know, when that EMP hits, you won't be able to use electricity. None of that. He calls us to continue bearing witness to what he showed us how to do. And that is showing the light, peace, and graciousness, mercy, and forgiveness of God to everyone around us. That's how we defeat the powers of the devil. Oh, yeah. um, and not you know, by what it makes me think of is yeah. that this is very much a, a con our, our calling is really a continuation. It's, you know, we think of it, I think, sometimes yeah. like, okay, we're living our life now. And then, you know, in heaven, we have this other life. And But actually... Yeah. The message of the Bible is that it's you are you have been given new life. Now you get baptized into Christ, raised like he was raised. And now you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You start getting a a, a taste of eternity. In fact, um, I, I'll see if I can find a verse here for us here. Um, I love what he said. Uh, let me see. Um, um, Oh, I've just I'll maybe find it in the soon here in a second. But but sure. the, the scriptures talk about how we are given this taste of eternity and through receiving the Holy Spirit. And it is in the manifesting of this presence of God on earth that we are bringing a part of what is in the future in eternity into this yes. realm. And so when we get to that place with the with the father, when we are face to face with him, the mission doesn't really change. It may look a little different. We may not be casting out the same demons, but but it's the same mission of of shining his light, whether it's here or whether it's there. So we don't have to. So for anyone who's listening, who's uh, younger, you feel like, you know, my whole life is in front of me. And, you know, what if the world is ending? You look, This world is going to grow darker and darker. You know, there will be things that happen that everyone will scream. It's this is the end again. And, you know, and one day it will be the beginning of the end, actually. But regardless of what it is, our mission remains the same. What God calls us to remains the same right now to manifest his light and his presence on earth. I, I think we've compartmentalized it. I go to church on every Sunday and that's really what it is to be a believer here on earth. And and, you know, in heaven, it's going to look like that. No, your job. Your, whether you go to school, whether you, whatever you do in life, as you raise your children, everything you do is supposed to drip with the presence of God. You're supposed to be manifesting his light everywhere you go. And as you do that and you enter the next life, eternity, that is, it's going to be the same thing. It's the mm. same mission. And so we don't have to then be like compartmentalizing things. 
living a life here driven by fear. And when I get to him to be with God one day, then I'll be rid of all my fears. Then I'll be rid of all the, the bondages and all my anxieties of the world. No, he says, cast your burdens unto me now and let me be the one that sets you free now and and carries you through whatever trial, whatever tribulation that you are faced with. Yeah, we see, uh, we see again, the gospel. We always, you know, we're always taught that the gospel is um, heaven centric, I guess, is totally focused on saying the prayer or whatever the ritual is. And then, you know, you have like kind of the safety jacket that or the key of the password to get into heaven uh, when you die. And surprisingly, the New Testament speaks very little about what happens after you die. Um, with Yeshua, you know, the gospel was, again, Mark 1, he went down preaching the good news, which was repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is near. Um, the kingdom of heaven is being manifest before your eyes. And I believe, uh, based off that trajectory, that's what we see in Yeshua. Yeshua is what it looks like when heaven collides with earth, uh, when the divine collides with the rawness of imperfect humans. And his examples and what he taught us to do and how he asked us to follow him is an example of how we establish embassies of heaven on earth, of God's mercy, of God's reign in the face of the fires of hell. You know, we always think of hell being this eschatological end times thing, punishment, like a fire. But Yeshua himself tells us that the fires of hell are present right now and we are the ones that ignite them. You know, um, Matthew, uh, Matthew 23, when he's giving that brutal scolding to the Pharisees and the scribes. And he says that you guys are making disciples of hell. You are making disciples and students of hell. James chapter three speaks about uh, speaking bad about someone, gossip, Lashon hurrah. And it says that you are able to set with your tongue the fires of hell on the earth. And I think, I think those are, if we wanted to have a dualistic approach to what the mission of God uh, through Yeshua was here and now, it's that we are either ambassadors of hell on the earth through our wickedness, through our self-serving motives and actions, through our lives, through uh, looking to exploit others to have selfish gain, or we are ambassadors of heaven, uh, which is the opposite of everything this world teaches us to be. Everything the world teaches us about success, the kingdom of heaven and what Yeshua demonstrates is completely the opposite. Uh, and that's a very hard thing when it comes down to actually putting that into practice. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, we, we always look at, you know, Isaiah speaks about twice uh, at the end of Isaiah, it speaks about, you know, the new heavens and the new earth. And it says, you know, uh, all the, the, the former things will be will be gone, but the new has come. And we're like, oh, we can't wait for that day to come when new creation actually happens. And for the apostles, Paul specifically, it happened when Yeshua resurrected. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5 and Galatians 6. It says, uh, if anyone is in Christ, new creation has happened. Uh, some translations say he is a new creation or you are in the Greek. It just says new creation. I like uh, the old has passed away, quoting Isaiah. Behold, the new has come. And that whole chapter is Paul basically speaking about what it looks like to wear the lenses of what took place on the cross when you look at the world, when you look at people who hate or persecute you. You don't look at them with these mortal eyes. You need to be wearing the spectacles of what took place in the cross. And you're seeing the world through the lens of what it could look like if you are set as an ambassador of heaven, 
showing the world what new creation looks like. It's a here and not yet example, as you were as you were talking about. Um, you know, we, we have a sample of what the kingdom of God is that we get to demonstrate now, and that's where our hope is based. But we also know that there is a day coming where it will be absolute. And uh, I call that the overlap, but uh, where, we're, where we're transitioning from this old world into the new. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think you nailed it. It's, it's exactly right. Yeah, I'll read for us that verse that I couldn't find earlier. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 5. He says, now he who has prepared us for this same purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a pledge of what is to come. I just love yes. that. Like you're, getting, you're receiving the spirit as a pledge of what is to come, as a, a taste of eternity, as part of the promise. What you're experiencing through my Holy Spirit now, bringing my presence close to you is what you will experience in an even greater way face to face with him in eternity. And that is our hope. That is what we look forward to. And so when the, the world gets darker and things, brothers and sisters, the, 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 there are a lot of voices. Uh, you can just turn on the news and you'll find a lot of them. Um, but the world has there's a lot of voices that are trying to drown out your hope with the fears of the world. And that's what the enemy wants, because if he can get you captivated in your fear, he steals your hope. He steals your ability to be used by God's spirit, because ultimately, if we fear the things of the world, we are not fearing God anymore. Right. We fear that God is not all powerful. We fear that God is not going to be able to take care of us. We don't trust him. And that, that is not faith anymore. That is unbelief. And so don't let the enemy put fear in you and in your family and in your children. Even I want to say very more, very importantly, uh, because they are the next generation and they need to be growing up in a, in a household and in a body of Christ that is full of hope for the future and the calling that they have now to manifest him on earth in whichever way they can. Um, I, I think that what I just want to read here is Luke 12, uh, verse 35, and he says, uh, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he who dress himself for service and have them recline a table and he will come and serve them. You see, we talk about the oil of the virgins and, and the lamps. And what does it mean? It's all about shining your light, the light of Yeshua to the world and being prepared when he comes back at any moment, being awake. Yes, be awake for what's arriving in the world. But how do you stay awake? How do you stay focused? If you think about just before Yeshua was uh, uh, crucified, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, him and his disciples. And what does he tell them? There is a time coming. Things are going to about to get really hard for you guys. I'm about to be taken up, basically, is the message. And you need to be staying awake. Stay in tune with my father's voice. Stay intimate. And that the call actually was specifically stay awake in prayer. And it is when Peter fell asleep and, and the rest fell asleep and he, he came to them. Could you not just pray with me? Could you, why are you falling asleep? 
And that falling asleep in their prayers was the very thing. I think it was very connected to the fact that Peter ended up denying Yeshua three times like he prophesied he would because he was not able to withstand the temptations like Yeshua would say he would be faced with. He says, pray that you may not enter into this temptation. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Matthew 26, 41 is what he said there. And so, brothers and sisters, I think that as we enter this season of 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 preparation as we are always supposed to be. But as we desire to be prepared, this place of prayer is how Yeshua prepared his disciples for the temptations and trials that they faced. And I think that his message would be the same for us today, that he is calling us into a deeper place of prayer. I mean, just think about this. They went throughout the night. Yeshua prays through the night here. How much do we pray? This is a good question. Like, like how how hungry are we to be equipped to be able to withstand? You know, you know, Matt, you said earlier, you know, and I and I identify with that so much. You said when uh, when the world gets really hard, as the scripture says it will be, we can't even imagine what that's going to be like. How am I going to be like if it actually the rubber actually hits the road? Am I actually going to be able to withstand that? And and, and not to compromise in any any way at all, you know, but by prayer, the spirit will empower us to be able to withstand because through God, it is all possible, even though the world will find it impossible to say no to the regime that the enemy will be putting up. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Revelation, like I said, it's a passionate book for me because of my background, major conspiracy theorist on another level, prepper. Um, prepper in a very unhealthy way because I, again, I twisted, I twisted God, I twisted God's vision for the end times, as depicted in the scripture, the way I wanted it to be, and then I wanted to make it my own identity. Um, but uh, you know, Revelation is jam packed with this language that guarantees that God will protect us. But if you read, if you read the verses surrounding in the context, it is not physical protection at all. Uh, and that's something that John was, again, writing encouragement, like Jesus is going to be with you and you will sit there in the throne room with him. Like that's the promise in Revelations 1, 2 and 3, um, especially in Revelation 1. That's like the promise that John gives them. Um, Jesus is not going to leave you. Yeshua is not going to leave you. God will not abandon you, but you have to stand firm and you have to be willing to pledge allegiance to his kingdom and your loyalty to his kingdom, no matter what you face. And uh, yeah, so is, you know, I have my son and when he was three months old, I was, I, I pray with him every night, right? And when he was three months old, I was praying with him. And I think that was a big moment where it hit me that uh, I cannot subject him to the type of eschatological views that I was filled with in my childhood. Because um, all that's going to do is stunt him from being the warrior of God that I know I'm supposed to raise him to be. And all I could think about was the first generation in the wilderness, how they did not. They did not believe the promises of God. They did not. And that's John. John is encouraging. Believe the promises of God, no matter what happens, even unto death. They didn't believe the promises of God that he would fight for them and they go into the land. And that generation just ended up being just that's the generation that's going to die in the wilderness. And hopefully, hopefully, if we can pour into our children what it means to stand and endure to the end and stand as witnesses and actually be bold enough to do what Yeshua taught us to do. Maybe, maybe 
they'll be the generation that enters in maybe, but we have to be humble enough to acknowledge our own mistakes, our own misguided pursuits and be willing to pour into them exactly what the scriptures tell us exactly what Yeshua showed us. And that's, that's probably the most convicting thing uh, that I see in the scriptures as being a father. Amen. So good. So uh, Matt, um, as we start ending off this part of it, uh, could you uh, pray for us, pray, pray for the body um, regarding all of this, uh, this, the world is, is in such distraught right now. And I think there are so many people in the body who really need prayer uh, to, for their anxieties, their fears, and to be inspired with the hope of the Holy Spirit. Uh, would you lead us in that? Yes, I'd be honored. Alvina Malkenu, our Father, our King. Father God, you have made promises. You have promised us that you will always be with us. You have promised us that you have a plan. You have promised us that nothing is going to move you away from your throne. Despite what the world tries to display, how it tries to instill fear, and how it tries to distract us, we know that these are only smoke screens from the evil one who has been cast down and has no authority. And Father, I ask in this moment that the Holy Spirit that you say is within us, the same Spirit that gave life from you to Yeshua from the dead, the resurrection, would resurrect us both in our mind and our hope that we would have a sense of loyalty to your kingdom and we would have the boldness to wear the lenses of what took place on the cross, that we would be instilled with the courage to be the soldiers of Christ, not like the world says a soldier should fight, but how Christ says we should fight, standing in boldness against the ways of the devil and standing for your righteousness. Father, I pray that you would instill right now in this moment that you would give us wisdom. And Father, if we've been distracted in our lives, if we've been wavering in our loyalty to what the calling of your kingship and reign is, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what it does right now and prick our hearts to bring about those things in our lives that we do need to repent. But Father, not only that, but it would fill us with the strength to do the things that we're called to do. We thank you, Father, for your spirit of hope, your spirit of joy. We thank you, Father, for Yeshua, our King. In his name and authority and glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate that prayer. Um, hey, could you just share a little bit with everyone um, if they want to... By, by the way, everyone, um, he has an amazing um, uh, bunch of teachings on... Uh, end times and the, many of the things we've talked about tonight. Uh, could you share for anyone who's interested in hearing more about your teachings, where they can find you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, uh, our website is foundedintruth.com, uh, but our teachings and messages and live stream all are, uh, we use the platform YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and type in Founded in Truth Fellowship, you'll find uh, the series we're currently in on Revelation. Um, and uh, Hope Revealed is the name of, of the series. But uh, we have a few messages that we've done. I think there's six or seven messages and we should be concluding it in the next few messages. Uh, but we also have a live stream uh, every Saturday. So yeah, you can find us that way. And uh, yeah, hope you, hopefully you can join us for a, a service or two online. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, I, so everyone in the chat, um, I would like for you to start sending in your prayer requests. Uh, we are 
still live here with you. So if you're in the chat now, I would like for you to any anxieties, any uh, people who are who need prayer that you know that's close to you. If you need prayer, you need healing, you need deliverance, you need freedom, anything at all. I would like for you right now to head to the chat and write it in there. And um, I'm going to be spending um, the last few minutes tonight to just pray for anyone here who is with us. And if there's anyone who's listening to this who who have never really considered these things that we've been talking about and you want you want to understand how to escape the things that is to come look you need to understand that it is only in in yeshua the messiah jesus christ that we can find freedom and deliverance and ultimate salvation not just from this physical world's bondages that we face now but from from an eternal death he will save us and so if that's you as well please um write in the chat and um We'd love for you to pray for you to meet the Lord tonight. Um, but anyone else as well, please go into the chat and right now, um, let us know if there's anything that uh, we can pray for you for as I bring this up for you. Uh, Amy, she wrote, she wrote, pray for my daughter who's in jail, ministering to others but heavy trials. Uh, so we just pray right now for Amy's uh, daughter who's in jail. Uh, Father, I just pray right now that you would empower her to be a light to people around her as she's trying to minister to them and that she would give her supernatural spiritual gifts and wisdom and uh, discernment, Lord, on being able to reach these people. Amen. Um, someone else said, uh, pray for a man named Peter. He's dealing with a spirit of death. He said he's crowded to Yahweh, but things were just getting worse for him, especially mentally. Uh, so right now, Lord, we just pray for Peter. Uh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, for that spirit of suicide. Lord, we command that spirit of suicide off of him. And I thank you, Lord, for freedom and his from 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 suicidal thoughts, from bondages, from anxieties, from depressions. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for making him free from that. And Holy Spirit, I pray you would comfort him and give him your truth about all the things that are going on in his life. Show him, Lord, the truth that you are with him. Uh, okay. Waiting on Jesus says uh, he needs healing. He or she needs healing. So we just pray for healing right now there. Father, I thank you, Lord, for freedom, for anything that's wrong right now. And anyone else in the chat, I speak right now over their bodies who needs physical healing and who needs emotional healing. Right now, Lord, I thank you for complete freedom, Lord. We speak to every disease, every sickness, any infirmities. And we command those infirmities in the name of Yeshua to leave and Father, I thank you for your freedom over these people now. Amen. Hannibal prays, asks for, uh, if you could pr please pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Also, a sister in Christ who's in ICU of COVID. Her name is Melissa. Lord, we pray for Melissa right now. I thank you, Lord, for giving Melissa uh, freedom, Lord, as she is battling this disease. Father, I pray, Lord, we speak to COVID, speak to this virus in her, and we speak death to the virus. And we speak life into her body in the name of Yeshua. Lord, I thank you, God, for setting her free from all of her, her, her lung issues or whatever else she's fighting now in the name of Yeshua. And then baptism with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray for Hannibal. And anyone else in this chat right now, come on, anyone right now, if that's you, I want you to go into the chat and say that's me. Um, we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray right now for anyone who's hungry who's in their room, in their house, wherever they're at with their families. 
And we pray right now, Holy Spirit, come into that room, come into that place, Father, and fill them with your freedom. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, we, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill them from top to bottom, fill their bodies, fill their temples with you. And Lord, I pray for your spiritual gifts to flow through them, Lord, like never before. I pray for your boldness to come over them, Lord, as in this time we're living in, Lord, and in this time we're heading in, Lord. Thank you, God. Um, Natalie said prayer for my son, for the father's will, for his job in school. So, Father, we just pray for Natalie's son that you would just give him uh, discernment and wisdom and direction over his job, uh, directions over his school choices. Abby's mom is having vertigo problems, can't sleep in her bed because she can't lie down. So, Lord, we just pray right now for Abby's mom. Lord, I pray for freedom from vertigo. Lord, I pray for balance, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for setting her free from that in the name of Yeshua. So we speak to vertigo. I command vertigo in the name of Yeshua to go. And I thank you, Lord, for good sleep at night. Lord, no anxieties, no depressions, no sleepless nights. In the name of Yeshua, any unclean spirit is trying to steal sleep in that house. We command that to leave in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you guys so much for sending your prayers in and for praying for each other. It's really awesome. Uh, Mark Allen, pray for my healing of my wife's back of, of for arthritis. We just speak right now to her back. And Lord, I thank you, God. We speak to the bones, ligaments, tendons, and everything in her back now. And we speak freedom. Back be made whole in the name of Yeshua. Now, name of Yeshua. Lord, thank you for your freedom. Okay. Uh, a few people are saying they're waiting for God's direction, have big decisions ahead of them. And so we're uh, definitely going to we're definitely praying for everyone to have direction and clarity on where they're going into their future. Thank you, Lord, for directing us, giving us um, words. And when we receive those words, Father, I pray that you would help us to uh, have discernment over what's your voice, what door you open, what door you close. Now, Yeshua. Yeah, another peop, uh, Renee saying, I need prayer for the next step of faith because I believe that I know what to do, but I don't want to be wrong in what I believe I'm to do, seeing as I don't want to go the wrong way. So a lot of these, so Father, we just pray, Lord, for direction for everyone here who is desiring your will, Lord. Lord, and, and brothers and sisters, let me just say this. If if you desire the Lord's will in your life in, in terms of direction, like he is so able and he's, his desire is that. And when we come to him, we're like, Lord, just guide us, just guide us, just guide us. You need to have a trust and a faith that he will guide you. God is not like, oh, you know, you, you, you're praying it, but, you know, I'll see. God wants to guide you. He will guide you. So in my life, I've just seen that when I lift up my my prayers to the Lord for direction, I just trust. I go forth. I make the directions, uh, the the. I make the decisions prayerfully and he leads me in those directions. But there is a trust there that we must have. Right. So go in faith, go in faith and go prayerfully, but go in faith. Uh, my mother, uh, Kendra, is saying my mother-in-law, Diane, is having terrible hip pain, making it hard for her to walk or do anything. So, Lord, I thank you for her hips in the name of Yeshua to be made whole. I thank you for all pain. We command all pain to leave her hips. In the name of Yeshua. Thank you, Yeshua, for setting her free now from that. In the name of Yeshua. Okay. 
Amen, guys. So thank you so much for sending in your prayers. I'm going to do a few more here before we end off the night. Um, Anthony is bringing up spine disorders. And uh, Lord, right now, we, we just speak to anyone in the chat who's got spine disorders or back disorders. Like We've got a few of those. So Lord, we just speak freedom over every back, including uh, Anthony. In the name of Yeshua, back be made whole in the name of Yeshua. Holy Spirit, thank you for your freedom. Uh, Carrie saying, pray for my siblings who suffer from depression for me and husband's healing on body pains. So, Lord, anyone, so anyone in the chat today and anyone listening to this, we just speak to all anxiety and depression right now in the name of Yeshua. Every spirit of depression that is trying to hold people down. Lord, I thank you, Lord, to take that off of them now. Spirit of depression, I command you to leave God's people. And uh, Father, I thank you for healing in their bodies from all pain now as well. Amen. And uh, so we're getting a prayer from C. Brooke. Pray for me and my two kids. I'm trying to figure out school sports and Sabbath. Pray for direction. My marriage, my husband doesn't support the Sabbath and feast. So we pray for the marriage, Lord, that you would bring unity in that marriage. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the husband and for C. Brooke, Lord. I pray, Lord, for humility in the marriage. I pray for... Um, unity in the marriage, Lord. I pray, Lord, for them to be united um, with you, Lord, for you to be in the middle to strengthen their marriage, Lord. And theological, theology, I can't speak, it's late, guys. Theologically, uh, I just pray, Father, that you would uh, just bring them together, Lord, in unity over these things, Lord. Amen. Um, my eldest son's marriage. So there's another marriage. Lord, we just pray for Amy's eldest son's marriage right now. Um, and also her two eldest children going through a lot. Lord, we just pray, Lord, to be with them, Father, and, and encounter them, Lord, closely, Lord. Father, bring dreams, bring visions to all the family members of people in the chat tonight who who are lost, who do not know you, who are wandering. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would come and visit them and encounter them. Lord, they need an encounter from you, Father. And we ask, Lord, for those who are who have hardened hearts against you, Lord, to be softened, to encounter you, Lord, uh, to, for, as we are, are crying out for our family tonight, Lord. Father, we ask, Lord, you bring healing to them in their hearts. Amen. 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 All right, brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining us here in the, in the chat tonight and, and submitting your prayer requests and praying for one another. Thank you for being with me and Matt here tonight. I, I pray that this video has blessed you. Please consider sharing this video with your friends. We believe this is very important. And um, I believe that uh, God is preparing us for a new season a new time. I'm not, I'm not saying what's going to happen, but I feel like he is preparing us for something. And in that place, that preparation starts in deep prayers. So get your intimate life with the Lord straight. Please go check out the last few live streams we've been doing on this, talking about how that I did that with Nathan last week, Nathan Harmon. We spoke about how to push into the Lord with prayer more deeply than ever before. Go watch that. Um, subscribe to this channel, like this video, and um, we're excited to be doing this every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time with you guys. And so join us next week and uh, we'll see you guys next video. I want to say a big thank you to Matt for Matthew Vander Alice for joining me here uh, tonight from Founded in Truth. Hey, many blessings to Shalom. I see you guys in the next one.